But Dad, isn't it time for illegal ham in the face? But, but, but bro, where's the banjo? Some Cleveland sports shows try to give you hot takes, but only one can give you a big old piece of hot ham. Welcome to Illegal Ham to the Face. Talking all Cleveland sports. And don't forget our Fat Boy Tuesday, where we also ham it up with some fun food topics. Without further ado, let's serve up some ham. Here are the Ham Boys. Fatty, Fatty, Big Bride, Big Bride, and my cousin Vinny, and my cousin Vinny. It is Tuesday, November 29th, and of course, it's another episode of Legal Ham of the Face. I am that fat guy. He is Big Bride, and welcome to the show. Today, Bry, we're getting into a Browns victory Tuesday. Uh, did not see that one coming. Also, kudos to Big Blue uh, for going out and whooping that ass against Ohio State. Thank you. Uh, I can even admit it. It was a uh, wonderful, wonderful time there. Uh, we are going to be getting in here later. We're talking about the Browns versus Tampa and the overtime win. We will be talking a little bit of Cavaliers in our Cleveland headlines. We will be talking about quarterback number one underneath center this week against Houston. He is back. We'll see what happens. There's some other scurvy stuff behind the scenes on that one that we're going to hit in the headlines. And then we are going to get into a fat boy Tuesday, which we are going to do a tater draft, Bri. Any okay. Tater, all taters, we're drafting them. We're going to do a tater draft. And then we're going to do right now, because it's winter time, not much else going on. We're going to do our top three shows that we're kind of into right now, TV shows we're into. So on that note, uh, we are going to do a, our show is brought to you by Harold Keel and Lake Erie APA. I got to see Harold on Sunday. He is doing great. Uh, he's oh. out of shiny. We got to get into our fantasy football update. If you want to do that now, Bri, you want to do it real quick right now? Let's do it now so we don't forget at the end of the show. Well, I lost, and, you know, I'm surprised we're doing it now, of all things. <laughs> I, lost, I lost to Craig, which not was a just good weekend. Not, not a good, not good, not good. But let's see here. Uh, my team, let's go to that uh, up. Okay, so... I lost to Craig Foster, 103 to 98. Fat, happy endings. Took a backseat. Well, I needed a, a Ron Rogers to do something, and uh, he kind of stuffed me. And uh, Yeah, hurt. Yeah. Not good on that one. You have the Portage County Prostitutes beating the Lyman Lounge, 122-90. You have Team Giggles. Beating Team Big Rod 125-124. What a barn burner that one was. Wow. All right. You got Team Wonder Years beating Baldy Locks 146 to 114. You have Team Span at 150 beating the Juice 105. 
And then you have Team Big Meat beating up on Big Bri, 131-13. And then you have the Fantasy Football Team, 143, and Harold Keel at 114. Our standings as they go. Big Man is in the lead with 11-1 record. 11-1 record. All right, followed by Wonder Years at 8-4 and and Portage County Prostitutes getting up there at 8-4. You have Team Span and Craig Foster at seven and five. At six and six, you have Team Big Rod and the Juice. At five and seven, you have Giggles, Harold Keel, Lyman Lounge, Fat Happy Endings, Team Big Meat, and bringing up the rear end of the Legal Handle the Face Football League, you have Baldy Locks and Big Bry at three and nine. Not a good 30. year for you. I got my quarterback coming back this week, though. Well, I'll see if he helps. I doubt it. (laughs) Not this week, I don't think. Not this week. I doubt it. So, uh, you got any shout-outs for this week, big fella? Uh, Shoot. I think I did. Um, Let me just shout-out my family. I saw about, oh... 80 percent 80 to 90 percent of my family uh this past weekend aunts uncles cousins so great to see all of them a couple of them listen from time to time so love y'all great to see you and uh as usual ate and drank too much it was a good good weekend yeah yep uh same with me i kind of just stayed at home i had my little brother patty pat come up and visit me so it was kind of nice to see him on friday took him out to the club and uh showed him all the destruction that we did uh, thank mm-hmm. you, Justin. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, too. Well, you said, I believe I called the Browns beating Tampa Bay, and I stayed up just to hear Bly, Bry gloat. Well, you're there going we to go. a little bit. Um, also, I got a special shout-out. Uh, this Saturday, uh, Cleveland Lyman Lounge podcast uh, reached out to me. They were doing their 100th episode. And they asked me to be one of the guests on their 100th episode. So I gladly said yes, joined them on their 100th episode. We talked all about the Browns, the college football playoffs, Ohio State just sucking it up to Michigan. And, you know, it was a good time with them. I was probably on there for about 30 minutes, and those guys are such a blast. And, Brian, if you ever get a chance, I'll get you hooked up with them because they are funny as hell. We definitely had a good time together. So congrats to them. Other than that, though, it was low-key for me here. It was, uh, yep, there was not much going on in the Thanksgiving household except a lot of turkey and a lot of gravy. Kind of nice. Do you still have leftovers? I have a little bit of turkey leftover. Everything else pretty much got smashed on uh, Saturday and Sunday. So the only thing we got left is just a little bit of turkey left. So it's not bad. We didn't really have anything, like, really major, major. Like, we only got, like, a Mm 14-pound turkey. So it wasn't, you know, between me and the kids going through it with Miracle Whip and white bread, we hit it pretty hard through the uh, weekend. But, yeah, we didn't really have much left over. I got you. Did you, uh, did you bring back some uh, plates? Yeah, I mean, it's been just trying to chip away at the leftovers for the last few days here. We still got some. Thankfully, it's all good stuff we still got left. We still got some uh, corn cornbread not cornbread corn pudding i guess they call it i don't know i don't know what that were corn casserole you know it's basically like cornbread with uh niblets of corn in there but it's not as dry as cornbread 
So we got some of that left. I shouted out my aunt's uh, holiday potatoes. So we still got some of those left, thankfully. So little by little, it's probably, I'd say by Thursday, it'll all be gone. All right. Well, got to get done by then. Because after that, that's when it starts to get questionable. Yeah, 10 days. Good. I forgot who I'm talking to. This is coming from the guy with the separated sub sauce. (laughs) And going, well, you just mix it back together. It's fine. And yeah, mm. shake it up, shake it up. You're good. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long's this been in here? I forgot well, about that. Not floating green, so we should be good. Oh, just gotta shake it up. Everybody knows that. I know. And you know something? Let's get let's get into college football here just a little bit, so you can do your gloating. Ohio State, they just spanked, or Michigan just spanked Ohio State. It wasn't even like. We got down to the point where it was the second half, and I'm like, well, they got within eight points. And then it was like the Buckeyes just didn't even care anymore. They just laid down and said, oh, you want two 65-yard touchdowns? Here we go. You think so they that, gave up? I do. They're not that I soft. Honestly, you think they're that soft? Hey, well, I'm, what do you call two 65-yard run touchdowns back-to-back? Well. I mean, that's what happens when you stack the line of scrimmage. If Nick Chubb could ever squirm through that first line, there's nobody behind him. Oh, they still got Ohio State ranked in front of Alabama. Wow. Oh, yeah. Are you surprised by that? A little bit because that loss, like they asked me on Lyman Lounge if there's a way that Ohio State kind of gets back into the playoff. And I said with that, with well, with that loss with Michigan, though, if it was a closer game, it might be a different story, but if TCU or USC just finish off running the table, then they're in. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. Right. Oh, doesn't yeah. matter what sure. happens. But if one of them lose, then you really got to take a serious look between Ohio State, between Alabama, because Alabama's losses weren't blowouts. No, and that's why people argue that Alabama should be Ohio, ahead of Ohio State because Alabama lost on a last-second field goal in the last second. Two-point conversion, both games were on the road, whereas Ohio State got blown out at home. So, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Neither team has really beat too many great teams. Uh, Ohio State beat um, Penn State and Notre Dame. So, they're kind of, you know, middle-of-the-pack teams or, you know, upper-middle. Alabama, you know, Mississippi. Who else did they beat? Uh, Nobody too great. No. And especially the way you see kind of flamed out this year with, you know, Tennessee's being okay. So I'm guessing Tennessee's seventh behind Alabama. But, you Mm -hmm. know, you said once Georgia, two Michigan, three TCU, four USC, five Ohio State. Now, if both TCU and USC lose, then that's a different story. Then you got to have a conversation about all of those because those guys made it to their conference finals. They're playing again. And TCU, the great magical thing about TCU is the team they're playing, they already beat. So they're going back to play them again. So if they actually lose, I think they're playing Kansas State, right? Correct. Yep. So if Kansas State does beat TCU, TCU goes, well, we beat them already. So it's kind of – That's why – I don't know how – you know, I would think TCU is in. You know, if you're going to penalize them for – Losing a 13th game or 14th game, whatever it is, um, you know, they finished the regular season undefeated. So you can't punish them for 
for losing their conference championship, I wouldn't think. Um, I think Michigan's in regardless, even if they lose to Purdue. I don't know how you could pull them out. But um, but TCU doesn't have that super impressive win. I guess Kansas State is a pretty good one. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. could be chaos if USC loses. I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that if USC and TCU lose, that Ohio State's just automatically in. I think there's oh, still a chance that uh, that Alabama could jump them. Even yeah, though they, they won't play at all. Yeah, and neither will Ohio State. You know, they're going to be sitting right. idle. But obviously, it's right. not our choice. It is a committee's choice. Oh. And the committee is going to look at it however they want to look at it. And, you know, it just, like I was telling the Lyman Lounge, like if it was, if Ohio State lost to Michigan by like a last second field goal or just by, let's just say the game finished with them losing by eight points might have been a different story where rankings were at where they standed but for the end of that game brian when you have seven minutes left in that game you're down eight and you end up losing by 15 like it was more than 15 wasn't it i mean it ended up being like 19 they lost like it just 45 what was it 45 20 i don't know 23 was it yeah was that it was it 22 no, we had Shoot, 20, I don't even remember. At 31. It was 31 to think... 23 because we were down eight. And then Michigan scored a touchdown. I thought Michigan scored in the 40s. They did. They scored two touchdowns. So so 45-23 then? Is that what mm-hmm. we're thinking? I don't yeah. know, maybe somebody can look it up on their phone. So, yeah, so you lost by 22 points at home in yeah. a game you were favored by eight. So 45. not a good look. Okay, thanks. Yeah, not a good look, but if you're going to look at it just based on the resume, uh, Ohio State's has one loss in the regular season, and they lost to the number two country, another number two team in the country. That's I'd say that's a pretty good resume. It's not like you're losing to, you know, a Rutgers yeah, or a, um, you Iowa. know, an Indiana, Iowa, yeah, something like that. So if you're just looking at the resume. I think they, they have an argument, um, but, you know, you know, these things are weighted and, uh, you know, the, the game didn't look too great for Ohio State. So who knows? They, they might squeak in. And that's why I think like 12, sometimes 12 just seems like too many teams. I mean, the Michigan-Ohio State game this year would pretty much be irrelevant. Uh, I mean, you'd still be playing for the Big Ten championship, but um, I don't know. Yeah, 12 if you go 12 deep this year, are there really 12 teams that are worthy of uh, getting in? No, there's okay. So there's not really 12 teams, but to spread the wealth with everybody, you can also say, let's just say USC, if they would have, how can I explain it? USC has actually came on and started playing really good, but mm-hmm. South Carolina has. Well, I mean, you, are you punishing? Let's put it this way. How about, how about uh, Tennessee? We'll throw Tennessee in the mix here. Are right. you really going to punish Tennessee for having a great season? They beat an Alabama team and then lost to South Carolina, which well, that was a boat race on that one. Jesus. Mm-hmm. But the and quarterback then, got hurt. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you're looking at that team. Can that team play for a national championship? I think they could. Depending if on they're who healthy. They yeah, sure. but, I mean, it depends on who they match up with. So, when you get down to, like, when you get that extra – 8, 10, 12 team extra outlier, 
yeah, there's still going to be always. And it's like the NFL, though. You look at there's always that one team, that one home field advantage that went like 13 and three or 13 and four, whatever the hell it is now. And they won home field advantage. They done look at the Tennessee Titans, Tennessee Titans last year, won home field advantage. And then they got trounced. Like it's any mm-hmm. given Sunday. But like you're, I know what you're saying because of the talent separation with the top teams and the, let's just say eight through 12 teams, let's go top eight and then eight below. The talent pool is a little bit different, but you're giving those guys a chance to actually kind of uh, like a Cinderella story. I mean, that's all I can say is sure. like you're giving that one team a chance to actually go through, knock off everybody and get a chance to do it. Instead of just four teams out of 130, you're getting a little bit more now. And it kind of adds a little bit diversity in it too, because I mean, for until this year, Alabama has been in every year, everybody that's been talking, it's been Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, Oklahoma. It's always been like those Notre Dame. It hasn't been TCU. It hasn't been Baylor. It hasn't been Penn state made it to one year. You know, and it hasn't been those second tier teams that have gotten up there. It's always been the upper echelon. And those teams, as we've shown, you know, like Penn State has beaten Ohio State when they're ranked number two. Penn State has gone out and beaten Michigan. Like there's been times that those teams have gone out and won on a Saturday that everybody kind of goes, they're not going to win. They're going to get their doors blown off. And then they win. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, it kind of just divides everything, I think. I mean, I would lo- I love to see it because – I think it gives more oh, yeah. storylines to other teams. Yeah, I think uh, I'm hoping, honestly, believe it or not, even though Michigan's made it to the college football playoffs last two years, I'm kind of hoping for parity because I think it's good for college football. Um, I mean, I, I'd be all for it if, uh, yeah, if a 12 could be to one or, you know, a 10 could be to three or something like that. Unfortunately, we just haven't seen it in the college football playoffs. Like, when was the last time we had a major upset in the college football playoff? It doesn't seem like it's happened in a while. Like, Ohio, yeah, Ohio State against Alabama that one year. Yeah, Ohio State got into the four seed, and Alabama was the one. Ohio um, State, Oregon. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. But, I mean, it's well, still they, Ohio State, and it's still well, playing Oregon, so I wouldn't think that would be a huge upset. Yeah, but they had Marcus Mariota. Oregon just blew the doors off of the team they played before they played Ohio State. I mean, not a little bit. I mean, they won by like 45 points. Yeah, but if you're saying Ohio State uh, is a big upset, I think you're doing a disservice to Ohio State, like saying that any team they beat is a big upset. Unless I know they were on their third-string quarterback, but still, you know, top recruiting class every year. What do you think of that? I, what? Right. So so that's what one of my friends texted me. He's like, I'm not surprised that, that Michigan is doing this to Ohio State because Ohio State is turned into a finesse team. They turn into recruiting all these five-star receivers, and that's all we talk about. And But yet they're getting bullied up front. Do you think that's an issue? Um, do you think it's just maybe a bad couple years? Do they need to change how they're recruiting? Because – I mean, one of the things that I like personally as a Michigan fan, what's happened the last couple of years is I've heard for the last 10, 15 years, uh, you know, Ohio State fans saying, 
I'll get those SEC teams up here in the north in the cold, and we'll show them how real football is played, and we'll just bully the hell out of them. And it's happened to Ohio State the last two years. They've been bullied by a more physical team, and they have these stud wide receivers, first rounders. But um, but at the end of the day, if you can't stop the run, then uh, then what good are they? You know what I really I I think the issue is, and this is just me being, you know, I'm an Ohio State homer. There's there's two glaring issues. One, the offensive line's been a little different the past couple years. There's not a lot of big names, not a lot of, like, every now and then, like, we've had offensive linemen going to, like, look at Billy Price was a center, went in the second round to Cincinnati, or late first round, whatever the hell it was. Like, we've had offensive line and it seems like we haven't had that many go in the first round lately. So offensive line, I you got one bad. now though. Paris Johnson will be a first rounder. Well, I, I get that. But then also with that though, if you look at the way Ohio state, when they were, were going to the playoffs were built, they had at least semi mobile quarterbacks. Very absolutely. I totally agree. And right now, we had Dwayne Haskins, who was a pocket passer, who barely ran. And what pissed me off about a lot of that game with C.J. Stroud is I watched him do the RPO, and as soon as he handed it off, everybody in Michigan knew it was going to the running back. He could have pulled it and got 45 yards if he wanted to, and he just never did. And you know what the thing is, though, is he did it the week prior, and that's what pissed me off because he got a rushing game the week prior where he was pulling it and actually getting down 20, 30 yards downfield. And he just won't pull it and run. And I don't understand why. But then also, Ohio State is playing this. And I understand their wide receivers are, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably going to be one of the best to go down in Ohio State. Like, it, he is that good. And I get that. But you also got to factor in, they're playing finesse on the outside. They're trying to beat you with speed on the outside. Are you guys playing one-on-one outside? instead of beating them up in the middle, taking the body shots when you can take the body shots, because guess what? When it's third and three, Bri, let's throw a wide receiver screen out there and see what happens. Why not just hand it to your damn running back and get the first down? And I don't think we've had a running back in a very long time that is big enough and bold enough to get us that first down. I thought we had it this year with the meatball and with Henderson. Henderson got hurt. But you saw the success that they had with that um, backup running back with the linebacker slash running back. And he started hitting a hole and he started getting 10, 15 yards. And then it's like after that, they throw four straight passing. It's like I, I don't I don't get some of the play calling. I don't get some of what they're doing right now. And it's it's aggravating to me as a Buckeye fan watching what they use. It's almost like I compared them to the Browns, Brian. And you know, you joke around about it, but I remember Urban, Trestle, all those coaches. When it's third and four, your bread and butter play is that little zone right behind the guard and the tackle, and you're getting five yards, and nobody's stopping it. Well, this year, they can't even get two yards off of it, and they can't get the running game going to the point where they needed. Yeah, I, I think personally, I think Ohio State has fallen in love with the flash. They like being a flashy mm-hmm. team. They like throwing the ball a ton because, you know, that's what's going to get the Heisman talk going and this and that. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you tell me if, if that's coaching. I mean, you said it yourself. 
Stroud probably should have been running more this whole season. It would have mattered in this game. I don't know. But um, but he should have been running more this season because Ohio State's at his best when they have a running quarterback. So I, I'm pretty sure he can do it. Um, you know, maybe it's not Justin Fields or anything like that, but, you know, he, he should run more. That that way you make him make the defense accountable for uh, for him and his legs. So I don't know. I don't – I mean, you tell me. Is, is Ryan Day on the hot seat next year? No, you can't. He's only had five fucking losses. You can't put him on the hot seat with only having five losses. What if he loses to Michigan again next year? You still got to look at it. Like, I understand what you're talking about. But you're looking. No, at I'm, I'm, I don't think he would be, but uh, but I hear the talk. Obviously, people are upset. Oh, well, the, the, because he wasn't at the time. It was a team handed to him by Urban, and he was an up and coming coach. He started right. on third base. He's, that was right. the, that was the quote Harbaugh said. Mm-hmm. All right, Harbaugh. Yeah. Okay. Kind of uh, true. Well, I'm not okay. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> But, I mean, I'm not. I'm not throwing shade at the guy. I mean, but he was handled handed a Rolls Royce. Right. I get you. And guess what? It's spitting and sputtering now. I mean, it's not coming out of the gates fast. It's not finishing the game the way it should be. There's points and times where play calling is, for me, questionable. Um, would I put him in the hot seat? No, I can't do that because no, you. I mean, he's only got. It's almost like you're looking at um, Bob Stoops. And Bob Stoops is probably one of the best examples I can come up with right now is Bob Stoops has always had really good teams, but they've always had one or two losses. I'm afraid Ohio State might be at that point now where we're going to have like stellar teams, but we're always going to have that one or second loss that we just can't avoid. And I, I think it's mostly because... Because, I mean, if you look at it, the defense was just – it was big plays. You can't give up big plays. And they gave up Mark, six, six big Mark plays. Mark me down as somebody who has never been – never understood the hype behind Jim Knowles. How do I even know who the hell Jim Knowles is? Where was he no, at before? Oklahoma okay. State? Yeah. So, so everyone's throwing bouquets at this guy because he was an Oklahoma State defensive and, coordinator and and that's supposed to be impressive and guess what he's running in the big 10 425 we already had I mean, this talk about, we already had this talk about rich rod running a 33 you know right bullshit that he right. did like I, work. And, mm, 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 I mean mm. the big 12 is notorious for not playing defense so I don't know. yeah it just blew my mind that like jim Knowles, jim Knowles. hey we got jim Knowles. like I don't. Who is this guy, and why is he such a big deal? So, yeah, I mean, I, I on it. You know, we talked last week about SEC versus Big Ten. I don't remember Big Twelve being known for defense. Neither do I. No, heck, no, no. They're notorious for being like the worst conference defensively. You know, yeah. Texas and Oklahoma having fifty to forty-five shootouts. But SEC versus Big Ten last week, we we got into that a little bit. I think. Look out. I think the next three, four years, I think the Big Ten is going to come on strong. You saw what they had, what they did this past weekend with Fickle going to Wisconsin, with Matt Rule going to Nebraska. You're going to add Lincoln Riley. You're going to add Chip Kelly. You know, I know. You still got P.J. Fleck up in Minnesota. You still got. Right. You know, you still got really good coaches all through. And still got Penn State. 
still got Mel Tucker making a hundred million dollars or whatever. So, I mean, the Big Ten's only going to get more difficult. I think maybe there's one or two more years where Ohio State and Michigan can kind of do their thing and enter this game both undefeated. But I think those days are kind of few and far between. Yeah. Well, Brian, we just spent a half hour talking about Ohio State, Michigan. Good. So. And we haven't even got to our uh, trivia yet. I know. And it's your turn, right? Yes, sir. All right, let's get into trivia time, and then we will talk about some uh, Cleveland headlines. Let me get our trivia sounder going. All right, big fella, hit me with that sweet trivia. <laughs> well, as you know, it was a great weekend for for me. Um, I'm going to make this about me because it doesn't happen very often. So Michigan beating Ohio State, that set the table for a nice Browns win. So I was flying high as a fan this weekend. Um, so my question to you is, when was the last time that happened? In the same weekend. When was the last time Michigan beat Ohio State and the Browns got a win in the same weekend? <laughs> You'll see why I'm so freaking upset on Sundays in the fall. <laughs> Especially towards the end of uh, November. All right. All right. I think I got it. Uh, I think that okay. I got it. But we'll... All right, so we got uh, Cleveland headlines right about now. And all right, Brian, so your Cleveland headlines this week. Uh, you can definitely still see the tire tracks left in the field from the guy doing donuts in the middle of First Energy Stadium. We had a skunk loose on the premises. When you so going back to the, when you told me that last week, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't hear about it. You were the first one to tell me. I thought you were talking about at the practice facility. That's no. what I was asking. Like, was the team on the field at the time? No, at the stadium. Who the how the hell can you break into the stadium? Well, we've had a possum and a skunk do it in the past couple of years. So yeah. and nobody got sprayed, huh? Nobody got sprayed, I guess, which was kind of shocking. Wow. I'm going to see that. Uh, Cleveland has been announced by the MLS. We are getting a soccer team back into Cleveland. I don't know when that is going to happen. Your Cavaliers are still kind of up and down with a couple people injured here and there. And the bigger news that came out probably, I don't know, about halfway through the day today, um, Deshaun Watson is coming back this week. He will be playing in Houston. And from a certain lawyer that is going against him, a lot of other people are going to be in Houston. Also, I guess there is about 13 to 14 accusers actually going to the game. And it's going to be, it's going to be a crap show, Bry. So it, no matter what happens, it's going to be a football game, but it's going to be something else also. So just get prepared for it. There's going to be a lot of news about it. And, you know, for us, we have to deal with it because it's the situation we are in now as he is our quarterback. 
But, Bri, mm-hmm. what do you think about everything that's going on? What about the skunk on the field, your Cavaliers, and the accusers showing up at the game in Houston? Um, I guess we'll start with the Cavs. You know, they, they still have a lot of a lot of growing to do. They, um, you know, they're not quite there yet. I was kind of keeping tabs on their game against the Bucks, and they were when I saw it first, they were up. I don't know, 10, 12, like in the third beginning of the third quarter, around halftime. And then uh, I, I find out that they lose by like 15 or 17. So that, that that's that's where you need to be. That's the beast on top of the mountain that you got to take down. So until we can get there, you know, they've still got some work left to do. So um, that's a little concerning. But at the same time, we don't have – I, I don't know about you, but I don't have championship aspirations at this point for this year. Um, so, but it's nice to have that barometer to see where we need to be. And, you know, um, we know having a dominant NBA player can take your team a long way. And that's what the Bucks have right now. So, yep, that's my thoughts on the Cavs this week. I guess, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a circus down in Houston. Um, I... I don't know what to expect. I, I think uh, I think the Browns would be wise to kind of try to ease uh, Deshaun Watson into it as best they can on the football field, and you know understand that he's going to be, you know, his mind is going to be going a thousand miles a minute, like it kind of was in uh, in Jacksonville, and that was just a preseason game, and he didn't play very well. So I think I think they can win just leaning on their defense and their run game. So take it out of his hands a little bit, let him kind of dip his toes in the water early on. And, you know, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be concentrating on a lot of other things at the beginning of the game. So you got to get him focused on football as best you can. So how many times are we going to get a certain mammal? I think somebody just shows up and just drops them off their first energy stadium. <laughs> and then they just walk in on their own. Like next time, I'm expecting to see like a llama just walking around through the stands. Like I, that'd be cooler than a skunk. Ugh. All right, Brian. <laughs> Let's get in to the meat and potatoes because we really do. The Cleveland Browns came out and in an overtime thriller beat up on Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Now, Bry had the most. Mm-hmm. That I have seen in a very long time. And I love this stat because it involves Cleveland and how much I hate wow. Tom Brady. So Can you imagine if it's the one that you're, I'm thinking of, it's unbelievable. Tom Brady, when leading by seven points in the fourth quarter, is 218 and oh. His first loss came this Sunday to the Cleveland Browns. That's insane. Crazy, Crazy, right? So if he goes up seven points, game over in the fourth quarter. Yep. Yeah. Justin, I, that doesn't even sound right. Justin said if we win, we should bring an animal to every game. <laughs> oh, sure. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure it helped in the possum game, too. Whoever's going to Houston, grab a rattlesnake. Take that thing in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord, that's awesome. No, uh, the Browns came back in overtime. Uh, it was a gutsy battle. 
Brian, it was finally nice to see our defense actually try to show up and try to do something. It was mm-hmm. nice to see Nick Chubb get 26 carries. It was nice to see at Jacoby Brissett's last game, him leading Anthony Schwartz down the field and throwing a block on a safety. It was nice to see that the guys that we pay to make the big plays when the time counts came out and did that. Miles Garrett, David Njoku. And the other thing that's shocking to me, for the long time, this entire draft process that we had last year, Bri, and picking a cornerback in the third round that didn't know anything about, I'm going, why? We already have too many cornerbacks to begin with. And for him to play the way he did and shut down Mike Evans, just unreal. Unreal what this rookie is doing. And, you know, some of that guy is playing for us because he'll take on any challenge. So, Brian, why don't you give me your thoughts on the game and how you enjoyed this overtime thriller? Uh, I took took my cap to the defense because the defense really kept you in this game. Um, they they kept it close. It wasn't always pretty. You know, uh, some people might say the Buccaneers were too pass happy knowing that the Browns give up so many yards on the ground. But your defense kept you in this game. They had countless, maybe four, five, six, three and outs uh, against Tom Brady, which, uh, you know, it's nothing to scoff at. That's pretty impressive that they, you know, they stayed fresh that way and they just completely had a stranglehold on their, um, on their offense. So tip my cap to them. Um, the offense, Hey, we, we got the win. <laughs> it was, it was more of the same there for the entire game. You know, we see it, we've seen it for the last three weeks and it was the exact same story this week. It was score on the first drive, do absolutely nothing for the rest of the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, and a lot of the fourth quarter and then score at the end of the game. This time it wasn't garbage time though. So you, you give them credit and yeah, it makes you happy that, uh, that we're able to pivot to a uh, hopefully a more talented quarterback because, like I said last week, the defenses in the NFL have figured out this Browns offense. And for whatever reason, we're really good on the first drive. I still don't – maybe just – maybe they just – they must just hammer home those first, like, 15 or 20 plays. So it's like, you know, the back of their hand. And Jacoby Brissett knows all the reads. But, you know, that uh, that Schwartz reverse, that was – a thing of beauty. And, you know, if Anthony Schwartz can't catch the ball, you got to find other ways to, uh, to use them. And they kudos to, uh, to Stefanski and Van Pelt for doing that. Um, but yeah, it was hard to watch through the middle of the game. And then, you know, the fireworks at the end of the game was something very, very nice, but, you know, just the realist in me says you needed a lot of things to go right at the end of the game there you to come away with this win but a win's a win you're four and seven um you never have to apologize for a win um and you just you're hopeful that uh that this offense can get it turned around this week and the defense can continue what they're doing and you know what what a more perfect team to uh play than the houston texans and you know get right get the confidence up but still stay hungry because uh you can't look past this game because they will beat you all right, so here are some questions from the, I'll call them the cheap seats. Uh, question, uh, 
has Brissett played well enough to earn a starting position somewhere else? I believe so. I mean, you know what he is. He's going to be that journeyman that's going to be in the middle and get you. He'll be a gap player for somebody. Whether somebody, A, gets hurt, or they drafted somebody that they don't, or we might even keep him as a backup for Deshaun, knowing how good he is, because we released Dobbs to make room for Deshaun. Um, I, You know something, Bry? I was expecting a different kind of quarterback when Jacoby Brissett was coming here. And the way that he handled this position, knowing what it was, knowing that he was only coming in here for 11 games and that's it. And doing the job that he did. And actually, Bride, dare I say it, played up above expectations for him. Uh, what, what grade would you give Jacoby? With the situation, with everything else that's going on, and with the defense not playing that great, I honestly, I'd give Jacoby a B-plus this year. That's exactly what I would give him. Yep. I mean, he's he had his moments where they've been really bad, but when he's needed to like calm down this team and control this team, Brian, we really have there's only been two games that we've really been out of, like completely out of. Any other game, we've still been right there. And it's just like I told you, it's just the little plays that just the brain farts, the trying to push too much instead of taking what's in front of you, the play calling the defense blowing stuff like we could be, you know, you and I joked around about six and five and five and six, you know, something after 11 games and you look in the way this team has played, especially the defense, not up to its potential special teams has been kind of shaky, but the steady hand has always been the offense, which is shocking as shit to me with a backup quarterback. I would have said we would have been like three and eight. But four and seven, and still, that's why I, I named the uh, just when you think it's over, the Browns always pull you back in somehow. And I don't know how they do it. I don't know why they do it. But, yeah, Brissett, it, he played well enough for me that he deserves a job somewhere else if somebody wants to give him that job. But if he doesn't get another job, I'd still love him back here in Cleveland. He was so great for this team, great for the culture. I mean, just a genuine, genuine dude, and awesome to have him here. Yeah, I'll take certainly, absolutely take him back next year. I mean, he, he might cost a little bit of money, so I don't know if financially we'd be able to do it, but I'd sign up for him. He, he deserves to be at least, at very minimum, a bridge quarterback for a team that drafts a young guy. Um, let him start for half the year. And honestly, I would be interested to watch him and uh, just see his tendencies because, again, this past week, I don't know if – I just don't know if it's for set or if it's play calling or what, but third – I wrote it down, I think, three times, third and two, third and five, third and six, you know, rather than just getting the first down and going to the middle of the field. He's just throwing these – 50-50 balls down the sidelines. Down. So is that Brissett doing that, or is that the coaches telling him, hey, if you see this, look, go for it? Uh, Brian, I honestly – so the reason why I say I think it's the coaching is because I remember – I don't know if you remember watching the Ohio State with Cardell Jones and how they schemed up the plan for him is if they're going to lose anything, it's going to be on the outside. 
They don't want to take a chance in the middle because the chance outside, maybe it's just an incomplete pass. You start floating mm-hmm. around with the middle of the field, that's when interceptions, tip balls, all that other shit starts to happen. I think what they're trying to do is get Brissett comfortable, trust their wide receivers to go one-on-one on the outside, and try not to clutter up the inside of the middle because that's where bad, bad things happen. And especially for a backup quarterback, you don't want him to start throwing in the middle and bad things happening. I think they game planned him for staying on the outside of the numbers and staying out there next to the sidelines in case he needs to throw it away or it doesn't have to be a perfect pass, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like you throw one up there, it doesn't have to be a perfect pass, but it could be just something to loosen something up in the middle. So, so he had, he does have his limitations and, you know, the reason I would give him a B plus along with you is because he's a backup. We're not grading him like he's a starter. If, If he was the starter is, you know, his grade might be down around a C or something like that. So, um, yes, he doesn't turn the ball over, and, and that's why I think a big reason why we wanted him in here because he's not going to lose the games for you like Baker lost the games for you last year. And if he had the defense that Baker had at the end of last year, you know, we could be easily 6-5, and five, no doubt about it. You know, if he's just not turning the ball over and the offense stays the exact same. It's not out of the realm of possibility to think you're six and five. So Brian, that's why I think he played well enough. But Brian, we did have the same defenses last year, minus like two people. Well, I mean, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's injuries or what what it is, but uh, the defense surely looks a lot different than it did at the end of last year. Maybe motivation. Maybe yeah, I I don't know what it is. I'm not gonna try to guess that, but um. But yeah, now now we have a uh, a quarterback, and let's not freak out because Jacoby Brissett did not turn the ball over hardly at all, other than the end of the game or end of the half. Hail Mary! Deshaun Watson's going to turn the ball over, throw more interceptions than what Jacoby Brissett did. It's just going to happen, especially Russ. You can call it Russ, whatever. I think it's more uh, Deshaun Watson can do more than Jacoby Brissett can, so he's going to take more chances than Brissett did. And because of that, he's going to throw more picks, but he's also going to make more plays down the field. So let's try not to freak out when, you know, Deshaun Watson might throw two interceptions and say, oh, Jacoby Brissett only threw, you know, what was it, four all year, five all year, or something like that. Um, so you, you take the good with the bad in that situation and, you know, understand that he's trying to make a play and just having him out there is going to help your running game as well. And, uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett did some great things on the ground with his legs. And Watson is, is a lot more athletic than what Brissett is. So there's plays to be made out there. It's, it's going to be exciting. You just hope uh, hope the team remains focused and hope that Watson can shake the rust off as quickly as possible. All right. So, Brian, we have two questions that I am going to bring up to you after we do our big O, big D, and just not my day player of the week. All right. Okay. So let's get into your big O player of the week, big fella. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you referenced my big O and my big D player of the week earlier, and it's it's the guys are paying money too, but not because they're making a ton of money, because they make game winning plays when it counts. And 
clearly there was no bigger game-winning play of the season than uh, David Njoku did. Um, that catch was unbelievable. People are talking about it as one of the greatest catches in Cleveland Brown history. And giving what was on the line, fourth down, you know, to tie the ball game up, it's hard to argue that. Um, yeah. It was just an unbelievable individual effort effort on his part. And, um, uh, yeah, I just yeah, he, he made play after play um, and didn't really do much as far as the stat book go but uh but that one catch that's that's all it took for me and my big O player of the week and i i jacoby Brissett, thank you for being a part of this team part of this culture doing what you had to do for this team to get them to four and seven i know it could have been better it could have been a lot worse too um, but for the way you played, you played outstanding for us, and we thank you so much as Browns fans. Um, but my big O player of the week, Mari Cooper, he had that one huge drop there at the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, it was in his hands. He just dropped it. And then he made the biggest play there at the end, wide open, down the lane. Jacoby hit him. And then at that point in time, that was it, game over. You knew it right then, down at the three-yard line, first down. Somebody's punching it in, whether it be Hunt or Chubb, and just that catch right there. Plus, I think he had over 100 yards. Um, my big D player of the week, Bry, is MJ Emerson. Um, that kid had one hell of a game. Uh, Tom Brady went after him a lot with Mike Evans, a lot of 50 50 balls, um, picking on the rookie as they always do, and he held his ground. Uh, he really did held his ground. Now, granted, the other side, Godwin had 12 catches for like 160 yards. Don't know who was covering that guy, but I'm pretty sure I know who it was. But for MJ Emerson to come out there, especially with people being hurt, greedy, I think Newsom wasn't doing so great either. Mm -hmm. He, uh, coming out and doing his job as a rookie and actually been doing your job all year. Amazing thing. Brian, what about your big D of the week? Is Emerson our best cornerback right now? It's looking that way, bud. I agree. Yeah. Um, I don't, I can't explain why. Maybe injuries have something to do with it, but uh, he's hungry and he wanted to take on Mike Evans. He wanted that challenge. So, we might have found him could be Andrew Berry's best draft pick um, in the third round. I mean, obviously we thought Greg Newsom was really good last year, and then we're seeing he's struggling a little more this year. So can't officially call it that. But, uh, yeah, kudos to him for playing. I, I'm going Miles Garrett, um, making those game-winning plays, like I said, with Njoku. Um, it's about, didn't... about time. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, but uh, he took over that game, and – at, at a certain point, I was like, geez, you know, I think we were down seven and it was the fourth quarter and he got a sack on a third down. I'm like, honestly, what I'm thinking is, Miles, it's too little too late. Um, he, I, I understand you're making great plays. I love that you're still in this, but the offense has shown that they can't score. And I was almost ready to give up because uh, I didn't think the offense could go down and tie it up, but they did. He made plays. I think he had three sacks maybe and uh were all of them in fourth quarter and overtime. Um he was just he was a beast. And 
that's that's the type of performance we need, you know. So for him to be defensive player of the year, we see it from T.J. Watt. Um, we've seen it from J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald. Now we've seen it from Miles Garrett. Uh, we just we need to see it again. All right, and not your day, just not your day, player of the week, Brian. I'm giving it to the entire defense. Uh, um, I praise them here, but one thing that's glaring that, again, once again, we're talking about them not doing, and that's getting a turnover. I don't know how many games in a row it's been since we've had a turnover, but one freaking turnover, we can't even do that. It's got to fall on somebody. You know, somebody's got to be out there making plays. I know, uh, you know, Garrett's had a strip sack or two um, this year, but we've got to be at the bottom of the league of interceptions and it's just it's hard to watch it's i can't explain it because i don't know the x's and o's well enough but there's got to be something that they're not doing to get interceptions and be better we're going to need interceptions from joe burrow and uh lamar jackson and kenny pickett they're going to give it to you down the stretch you got to be there to make plays all right brian mine is Cade york Granted, you kicked a 51-yarder, but you had like a 37-yarder that you duck-hooked into the fucking pond off to the left. Uh, But you got to get yourself right. This sporadic stuff is scaring the hell out of me right now. Whether you're kicking right down the middle or you... Every now and then, he pulls out one of those. And I've just... I got to tell myself, he's a rookie. Give him time. He's a rookie. Give him time. And it scares me for saying that. And the reason why is because... I, I sit there and I start laughing because Greg Joseph is still in the league, who is a kicker for us. That we're like, get him out of here. You can't make a damn thing. He's still in the league. We have the uh, kid that we drafted with Dorsey, I think is still in the league too, isn't he, for Arizona? Gonzalez, I think yeah. so. So we got two guys that were here that we're like, get him out of here. McLaughlin. They can't make McLaughlin. Yeah. Got, oh, my God. Got last one. year, he's with uh, Indy. Yeah, he was a pretty good kicker, I thought. So, like, we have, I think we have been bitten by the Phil Dawson, who are not missing anything, and also having Justin Tucker in our division, that it's kind of like we need a just non, and it's just not the NFL today. Unless you're Justin Tucker, you're not 100%, but you need to be close to it. And I need him just to just tighten it up a little bit. Uh, Chris said the laces were out, or laces were in. Laces were in, Dan. All right, so here's <laughs> I think the... He, did he... Uh, somebody said he slipped. I have to believe he slipped on that because I, I don't it. think any professional kicker could miss it that badly without, like, slipping. If you look at where it ended up, you would think, yeah, he must have slipped or something like that. I will say, I mentioned in the past couple of weeks, it seems like he's got that low trajectory. He's 51-yarder. It seemed like he got up in a hurry. I know he kind of barely made it, but uh, hopefully they're working with him. Well, that and that one that you're talking about, I think he was trying to kick it to West 6th Street way he was aiming. Like, that thing just, that wasn't even close to, like, just the end zone. It was over towards. It missed the net. It it, it missed a lot of things. (laughs) I can't imagine he's that bad. The questions that we got. uh, Chris chimed in and said, are these six games a tryout for Stefanski, or does he get one more year? 
And it's all because of Deshaun Watson. And I will answer this, and I'll be completely 100% behind this. Stefanski, no matter what happens this year, is getting one more year. I think, I think the Haslam's have finally got to the point now that they weren't expecting the suspension being this long. You can't hold that over Stefanski's head with a backup quarterback, you know, trying to get him to win above 500 football to begin with. And your offense has been playing absolutely stellar. Like we're top 13 offense in the NFL. So at that point in time, you can't really put this on Stefanski. Now I think it's going to take this six games is for Stefanski and Watson to figure their shit out before next year. And if next year starts to go bad, Stefanski's gone. But I don't think that'll be the case. Now, on the other hand, Woods, I believe, will be fired at the end of the year. I think they will be looking for a new defensive coordinator. Other than that, I think that's the only major move that they make this offseason. But, yeah, I mean, what do you think, Bri? Yeah, I, I've, I've kind of said in the past that that I think that um, there must be some sort of agreement that, A, you know, this year is going to be a mess and let's just kind of get through it, do our best job. I, I think maybe there's a teeny tiny chance that he gets fired, but things would have to go terribly wrong uh, for Stefanski to hit the streets at the end of this year. So I think they're willing to give him – you know, an off season, a normal off season, a normal uh, year next year, and grade him on that because he finally has his quarterback. He's got the offense. He's got his wide receiver. He's got his tight end. He's got his offensive line, running backs, whatever. At this point, you can't ask for anything more. So, if he can't do it next year, I'm sure we'll talk now between now and then. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. Uh, as far as Joe Woods goes, <laughs> I. I I just I don't know. I go week to week. It seems it's a roller coaster ride with him, and knowing that Stefanski is a loyal guy and he doesn't like to make changes. You know, last week I was certain that he was getting fired. Might as well do it now. This week I don't know. You know, I could talk myself into Stefanski making a case for bringing him back, and you know, and again, I- Stefanski and Barry are lockstep with one another. They agree on everything. Um, yeah, like I kind of hinted at last week with other decisions, it's going to have to come from the top. It's going to have to come from Haslam or one of his right-hand men coming down and saying, hey, you got to get rid of this guy. I know he's, he's your guy, but he's just not cutting it. And I, I think the reason why, like, you're on the fence because of the roller coaster, that's why I'm on the other side of the fence with roller coaster. Stefanski wants stability, all right? His offense has got to be stable. Everything else, the way that this organization is supposed to be run through De Podesta and Barry and everybody else is a stable organization. This roller coaster of one good game, one bad game like this doesn't fly with them. They want to be right in the middle, if not better than where they're at. You cannot go out and throw a complete goose egg and then come back and play, let's just say, above average against Tom Brady. They weren't great but they were good enough to beat Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like it was, I don't know how to explain it. This defense has just been weird this year. It's been so, so weird. So just back ass words. 
if I could make a case right now, currently for Joe Woods keeping his job, not knowing what's, you know, I think, I think he might be able to just saying like, listen, the Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills, they're juggernauts. They're top three, top five offenses in this league, and they they score on everybody. Look at the other games the last month, month and a half. It, you know, the Bucks, pretty good offense. The Bengals, pretty good offense. And the Ravens, pretty good offense with three pretty good quarterbacks. And you kind of, I don't want to say you shut them down, but you had maybe above average efforts against them. Um, you know, just imagine if you got a turnover or two. It would really be swing but things in his favor. I get what you're saying, but throw in the Jets game. Like, it, yeah. at that point in time, it, like, that's where it's like, yeah, you did really good there, but you had a 14-point lead against the Jets and you lost it. Like, it's like, it's those things. Like, it's like. That's why it's maddening. <laughs> There's no. I, I still am on, you know, not knowing what's coming in the next month, month and a half. I'm still on, hey, we need to do better. We need, like you said, we need stability. We need, uh, you know, more Bry, consistent effort. Bry is pro Joe Woods. Fatty is no Joe Woods. Is where we're <laughs> at here on this no, I've, uh, I, I used to be pro Joe Woods, but I'm, I'm still, I'm not, I haven't swung back to pro Joe Woods yet. I'm still on the. Get rid of them, coaster. Well, where Bry is at right now, and this is a, a wonderful term that we use at work, Bry is in between a fart right now. Whether it be a fart that he poops his pants or it's just gas, and he's just holding it in right now just to see which one it is. Still holding. Still holding. Still holding. I reserve I reserve right to, uh, to get rid of them. Haven't made up All my right. mind yet. We got to get our uh, three takeaways versus Browns versus Houston, Bry, And we got to do our score predict, okay? So let's do our score predict last. But what are your – do you want me to go first with the three big takeaways to beat Houston? That's fine. All right, I will go first. Uh, number three, Deshaun, try not to be Superman. It has been almost three years since you have played football. Take the game as it comes to you. Take what is in front of you. You have a very talented team with very talented running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers. Just take what's there for the first game and get through it. Number two, Coach Stefanski. Just because he is back, he is not a fucking Ferrari. Do not bring him back into this thinking that he is going to sling it 53 times and be the pro bowler that he was the year that he was with Houston. He is not going to be that starting out. Ease him into the game. And my number one, Bry, Nick Chubb, feed him the ball. He rushed for 26 yards, over 100 again last week. And guess what? Kept that score low, kept you in the game. Nick Chubb is the best player on this offense right now, and he deserves the ball in his hands any chance he gets, whether it be running or passing, because it looks like he can catch the ball too. Uh, so, so my number one would be, uh, and it's kind of been the case for the last, I don't know, a long time. It seems we haven't been able to stop the run. And 
Houston Texans are a team that I don't believe they can beat you if you stop the run, uh, unless they get just a ton of turnovers or something. Um, so Damian Pierce, you know, could be potentially the uh, the rookie of the year, and uh, he struggled the last couple of weeks because teams have kind of figured them out a little bit and just uh, take him away. And they've gone from Davis Mills to Kyle Allen. Neither one of those guys are really great at quarterback. Um, but you want the ball in their hands. So so take Damian Pierce away. Stop those guys. And I think your defense can have success. Uh, number two, uh, just don't don't turn the ball over. Win the turnover battle. Um, because I think that's the only way you give them hope is if they can get a couple picks or, or put the ball on the ground in special teams or the run game. Um, so win the turnover battle. I know even if it's a 0-0, neither team gets a turnover. I'll take that. Um, at number three, I think you just uh, you just you treat Deshaun Watson like he's a backup quarterback. You you give him easy throws, uh, you know, screens or quick outs or something like that. Treat him, you know, have the same similar game plan to Jacoby Brissett, you know, so he can make throws where he's not forcing it too much because that's when we can get in trouble. So get him comfortable out there. Maybe get him out of the pocket, which is something that they haven't done much with Jacoby, and they used to do a lot with Baker. A lot of play action. You know, I, I think the teams are going to be reluctant to stack the box against you now with uh, with Watson back there. Um, but it's going to be an emotional environment. So he's got to keep his cool. He's got to take what the defense gives him and, uh, and not turn it over. All right, Brian, what were our scores from last week? I've, I might have to look. Mine was 19-13 Tampa, so I lost. I think you had a shootout. I think you had Tampa in a shootout. What do you remember? I think it was like 31-10. to 10. I think I had Tampa blowing them out. Okay, so neither one of us won. No, no, but that's okay because we're about to have some fun now because we actually have Deshaun Watson back. So, Brian, I will go first on this pick. Um, I think the offense is going to be a little sluggish, a little sloppy starting out, but I think they finally start to find their groove in about the third quarter. And I pick your Cleveland Browns to win 28-23 to 23 over the Houston Texans. Okay. 28-23. So you have Houston covering because the uh, spread is seven. Um. Yeah, we're both along the same lines, you know, when our optimism for the Browns. I think it's a very conservative game plan. And I think just Watson's presence and, uh, you know, maybe in a weird way, this crazy environment kind of galvanizes the team and gives the defense a jolt. And uh, they play like us against the world mentality. So I think it's a conservative offensive game plan. I think the defense steps it up. And I got 23 for the Browns, and I got 13 for Houston. So I got them covering. Uh, Let's put it this way. Uh, Justin put down 42 to 12 Houston. Uh, Just on that bandwagon. And now that my mom is watching, Bri, it is time for Mm -hmm. the later draft and time for our favorite part of the show, Fat Boy Tuesday. And now it's time for Fat Boy Tuesday. 
All right, big fella. It is a tater draft night. Now, the reason why I brought this up, you know, Thanksgiving, you got sweet taters, you got mashed taters, you got cheesy taters, you got all sorts of taters. But, Bri, I want to uh-huh. know your top five taters. All right. Whether it be chip style, French fries, oh, what's about that? tots, whatever it should be, I want your top five and you and i will go back and forth starting at five to one okay i got a question for you so yes sir are we are we are we breaking it down to their simplest form like um is it is cheesy hash brown potato casserole something i can draft or is that just hash browns no 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 you could do that one as long as it's okay so it's a dish It, it doesn't have to be just the potato no, 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 no. Be, so these, okay. are, these are all potatoes. It doesn't matter how be you loaded fries. You could do loaded fries. You could do tater tots with everything on them. You could do the fiesta nachos and or with the potato fiesta potatoes, whatever. However, you gotcha. see potatoes being made. Your top five. Oh potato boy! Dish. All right. <clears throat> and Bri, for me, I will start first. Yep. And I will start with a great old fashioned. Number five, a loaded baked potato. All right, that was on my list. Well, it doesn't matter. You can still say it. Oh, it's a draft, I thought. Well, okay. So my number five is loaded baked potato. I'll take it off the board. I'll take it off the board. All right. Yep. So give me your number five. Oh. Uh, so, like, my number one, what is this a top five or are we doing a draft? We're doing, like, a top five kind of thing, but we're starting with five and going up to our number one tater. Oh, gotcha. I might need you to just go first. I thought I, was, so I had a big board here. of uh, So, okay. five, so a load of baked potatoes, your fifth best one. My fifth best one. Okay, yeah. You, you do your top five and then I'll do my top five. Okay. Let me think my- about it. My number four, tots. You can't go wrong with tots. All right, number three. Now, my mom is the only one that makes this. She has made the board at number three. Her butter and garlic parsley potatoes. I like it. Okay. Now, Brian, I'll explain what those are. She gets the whole potato, like the canned whole potatoes you get from GFS. Adds in a couple of sticks of butter, some fresh garlic, parsley on top of them, and then throws them in the oven to heat them up. Come out delicious. Sounds awesome. Number two, Bri, mm-hmm. is au gratin potatoes. I am a huge okay. fan of agron potatoes because I put ketchup on them because I'm a monster monster like that. Right. And my number one, and I still have not, I cannot do it myself. I have tried. I have not found a restaurant that can do it. I've been to many diners that I think could do it. My grandmother would make home fries in her cast iron skillet. Just fried potatoes in a cast iron skillet, Bri. And I can't find anybody that comes close. So just think of a potato sliced very thin, fried in a cast iron skillet that comes out looking like the shredded hash browns. 
Mm. And, I and I can't do it. I, I don't know why I can't do it. I've tried. I've tried many different ways of doing it, and I just can't figure it out. But those were my <laughs> favorite things. Like, I started thinking, the reason why I started thinking about it is I cook breakfast for the kids on Friday and stuff. And I'm looking at all the mashed potatoes, the sweet potatoes we had. And, oh, here's my dad. My dad has chimed in. Sweet taters, okay. sweet, taters sweet taters, and yams. <laughs> uh, Justin chimed in. Fries, wedges, potato cakes, hash browns, cons, potato chips, number one. Okay. All right, so we got some good stuff going on here. Brian, why don't you give me your top five? I was specific here. So we're starting with barbecue potato chips is my okay. number five. We're moving to four. You mentioned putting ketchup on potatoes. and it, Absolutely. Any potato you can really put ketchup on. Uh, but when I think of it, well, yeah. Well, you, I, well, in college. You're a monster. You're a monster in college. And they, and they weren't even real mashed potatoes. They were like the flakes. You do what uh, you got to do. That, that was a meal. That uh, was a meal. Flake right, potatoes. Yeah. And uh, I don't even know if you call them potatoes. But so back to my list. Uh, number four, you mentioned home fries. My wife makes mean home fries. Slather them, ketchup. Uh, on the weekends, I have those. That's my number four. My number three, garlic Parmesan French fries, which I can't even think of a place that has them, but it seems like whenever they're offered, you know, I get those or the Cajun, the Cajun French fries are really good too. Um, so that's three. Oh yeah. Five guys. Right. Does Brown Bag Burger have them? Brown Bag Burger has closed permanently. Get out of here. Really? I'm telling you, my heart has sunk. I wanted to go there this Sunday with the kids. For lunch, and it's a permanently closed. My heart has been broken. My favorite so, burger joint is gone. So you're gonna have to try. Um, I haven't had them, but that always sounds good. Right, right in that area. Uh, what's the mall there? Great Northern. Yeah. Uh, there's a place called Burger Guys. You try that if you're looking mall. for. Have you had it? I have not had it. I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah, in the mall. Try it out. They got the they got the ice cream there. So I've never eaten there, but I've been there several times. So let me know how that is. Uh, back to my list. I'm going, I guess it doesn't have to be Arby's Curly Fries, but any season Curly Fry. Yeah, I know. Um, back-to-back French fries. So what? Sorry. Sorry. Right. Right. Uh, and, and number one is, uh, you know, cheesy potato casserole. Jeez, That'll man. always be my number one. And I do it with, so we've converted. We used to do it with the uh, the chunks, the potato chunks. Now we do like the shredded hash brown potatoes. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like those better. But nice. the cubed ones are fine too. I'll eat that. I'm not that picky. So before we move on, uh, what is your top fast food French fry? I'd probably give it to uh, Arby's or Rallies. I don't get Rallies very often, so whenever I do, it seems like those are really good. I'm going to go Rallies. I will mention Wendy's. They have stepped up their fry game, Brian. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh. All even, right, Brian. You know, even the uh, the crinkle cut fries at Arby's, I, I like those too. And I'm not a big crinkle guy. Neither am I. I like the seasoned potatoes like you do. 
Yep. All right, big fella. It is time for our top three. Then we'll end up the trivia and we'll get out of here. All right. So top three yeah. TV shows that you are into right now. Um, I will go first. My number three uh, is Pennyworth. It is on HBO Max. It is about Alfred, Batman's Alfred, before he became okay. Alfred. So it's like all of the cool. stuff that Alfred did beforehand. Number two for us is Ghost. It is a show on CBS. Really funny. One person can actually see Ghost. Yep. The other person can't. Love that show. I've seen that. Yeah, that's funny. My number one, and my wife actually got me on it, F is for Family. And it is on Netflix. And it hmm. is a cartoon show that takes back in the 70s, like back in our heyday when we we're growing up and our parents were yelling at us that we were a bunch of... uh Babies, you know, th- uh-huh. those days, I'd never laugh so hard watching this show, Bri. Like, the dad is just excited to get a color TV. The color TV breaks. He starts cussing at everybody. It is an adult <laughs> show. Like, okay. it, I mean, it's an adult show, but it is absolutely hilarious. And I, I think you should watch it with uh, the wifey because I think you'll laugh at it a little bit, too. <laughs> We just lost our Netflix subscription, and by lost, I mean uh, we got a new TV, and the friends who are signed into our old one that, that we are using, uh, they're no longer signed into the new one, so we need their password and haven't gotten it yet, so I'll have to get that. My old man said the next time I am at home, he'll take me to April's Diner for their home fries. It's close to Grandma's. Okay. Grandma's. It's Have very been? Oh, yeah. I love that place. April's you Diner? Okay. Oh, it's like a little hole in the wall diner, but man, their breakfast is like the best breakfast around. Those are the best. Absolutely. I know. I know. And they have fresh pies there. And of course, I can't leave there with my dad without getting like one or two pies before we leave. What's what are the good pies there? Uh they do all sorts. They do a you know the country apple, they do a Dutch apple, they do strawberry, they do peach, they do chocolate silk, they do where are the other ones? Black raspberry, cherry. Um, they have fresh pumpkin. They have fresh, they have fresh they have fresh pies every day there. You just go in. Nice. You, you can either get a slice or you take the whole pie. Sounds so. like a great place. It reminds me of a place down in Ashland called Linway. They got phenomenal pies. Okay, I guess it's, if it's now. I'm going to let you know, going into this top three, this is probably the worst top three I've ever done. It's very pathetic. Um, and it's, it's okay. might not even count. Okay, so my number three, I haven't even watched one episode of it. I want to. We just haven't gotten around to it. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> so, that's what the shows that you're into right now. That's what we're kind of okay. you're into right now. It's called Monarch. Um can't even remember why I'm into. I think it has something to do with country music or producers or something like that. So my wife and I have been meaning to watch it. We just haven't. Uh, my number two. Um, we've only seen one season because that's all they have on Netflix, and it's Yellowstone. I know I'm way years behind everyone else because I'm on. I've finished season one. I don't okay. even know if we finished season one. We're like halfway through season one or something. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told you. It, it's a sad oh, list. Yeah. It's all right. 
no, no, no. Yellowstone is absolutely amazing. We're getting ready to embark on our latest season that has come up. We're recording it so we can kind of binge watch it. Yep, yep. That's kind of what we've been doing. Um, and then my number one, I'm, I don't know what else to say. Uh, football. <laughs> my number one TV show is football. I mean, it's my number one TV show every single year. Um, I mean, 90% of what I watch is reruns, football, and sports talk radio shows. So outside of that, I don't watch much else. So I apologize to the listeners. Uh, it's a pretty sad list for me. All right. So the trivia that you brought up to me today was when was the last time Michigan football and Cleveland football won in the same weekend, correct? Last time Michigan beat Ohio State, beat and Ohio the Browns State. won that same weekend. I'm going to go 1997. But Good the, guess. No, it's actually before that because they weren't even in town 97. 95. Keep going back. 89. A little too far. 1991. Oh boy! You believe not- so? You can understand. This was a historic weekend for me. Um, yeah. Last time it happened, I was six years old or seven years old. So, yeah, <laughs> Michigan beat Ohio State thirty-one to three in ninety-one, and the Browns beat Kansas City Chiefs twenty to fifteen. So those are some good times. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you guys so much for watching the show. Uh, Brian, I appreciate it. Please go give us a like, subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Uh, we're definitely here at the end because Fatty has got to get out of the seat for a second. So, Brian, God bless him. God bless it. God bless America. We want to thank our troops and first responders for everything you do. If you want to be part of the Lake Erie APA, please go to myself, Harold Q, or Brian. And we will get you there. And like I say, at the end of every show that we have, we are definitely uncorked, unloaded, and we're out. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you.